you meet Christy. She's doing pretty well herself. You guys are get together. You're in, yeah. a, you're in a room at her parents' house. You're figuring out life. You're sick and tired of working for other people because you had bounced around a little bit more. And you said, you know what? I'm doing some side work. Why not me? Yeah. Why not go all in? Talk and about those thoughts. Yeah, it was just, it was, uh, it's weird because I thought about it in the past. I never did side work. Like, I've always been the employee. Like, I would jump through hoops for people, but I was never taken care of. And if I was taken care of the way that I feel like I take care of my employees, I probably would never open a business, mm -hmm. but I was never taken care of. So um, I'm like, why, why am I, why am I doing this? Um, so my best friend at that time, we went separate directions, you know, when life and uh, he would always kind of come back around. He's like, Hey, if I sell some shower doors on Craigslist, do you have someone you can get glass from? I'm like, yeah, I can get glass. Um, so we did a couple side jobs and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually see, I, I can make my, I'm like, man, if I can do this on the side after work, what can I do with all that extra time during the day? Like I can definitely grind and hustle and, you know, pick up contractors and do the work. And one day, um, it kind of was about my kids again. You know, I wasn't, I didn't see them for six months. She came for me for six months and finally I was going to get them for Thanksgiving. And I was like. I told the company I am taking Friday off after Thanksgiving. I'm getting my kids. And um, I was told, no, you don't have any PTO. Uh, it's month in. You got to be here. Uh, the managers had to be there for month in, but I wasn't a manager. They wouldn't pay me to be a manager. They, I was running everything in that division, but they wouldn't pay me. And I didn't have a title as a manager. I'm like, I'm not even a manager. Like, and so at that point, I'm like, I, I quit. Like, I put in my notice. Like, I'm done. And... Um, that was kind of it. They kept me around for a month after that to train someone now, else. Now, how old were you at that time? 29, 28, 29, right there. So for the thought of time, you then at that point had GCS be born, yeah. more or less. Yep. Right? And within my, the my last day was December 13th of 2013. So 2013, the next day you kind of embark on this yeah. journey. And then I kind of, then I went, then I actually officially started in January 1 of 2014. I'm like, what a perfect time to start a business, January 1. Mm. So I started January 1, 2014. January 1, 2014. You know, what did the first 18 months look like in that business? Um, well, like, so it started in the bedroom. Didn't even have the garage. It was full of crap. Didn't even have the garage. Um, and I'd will call my glass and I picked up a builder that he bought all his own glass and did the installs for him. So he kept me pretty busy. And I crushed it the first year. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah. And, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Brandon, cheers, welcome. Is that water cold enough for you? It's good. It's, it's getting warm from the fire, but. A little humid back here. It's not that bad. Especially with the fire. You need bug spray. I'm good. They don't, good? bugs don't like me. You have bugs in Arizona or just scorpions? We got everything, dude. Got everything, snakes. Sting you, poke you. You got bears? You. Got bears. Really? Got mountain kind of bears? lions. Black bear. Black bear? Yeah, black got bear wolves. everywhere. Got wolves. Really? Yeah, Arizona's sweet. I've actually never been. I look up videos all the time. I hear people 
speak highly of it. Now that we're becoming friendly, maybe I'll, I'll come visit if you if have you, me. If you ask Chance, I'm the biggest. Uh, I always try to get people to move to Arizona. I'm like, ah, it's a beautiful place. <laughs> You're a salesman for Arizona. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm the biggest salesman. I, I try to sell Jersey. I mean, Jersey Shore, where I live, is a pocket of uh, you know deep red and, and, and call it MAGA country down here. But New Jersey as a whole is uh, extremely liberal and leans a little bit differently than my personal views. But right. I really appreciate you having, you know, coming out here. I know you guys had some other obligations, but to make some time out of your busy schedule, fireside for the people that are your friends that are going to see this and your ecosystem. This whole entire thing started with me not having enough help coming up to make a couple bucks that I have. Right. And not that didn't people, people didn't help me. And Ken says that, and I love capitalism. He goes, anybody that tries to say they never had any help yeah. is fucking full of it's, shit. Yeah, and uh, I did have help, and I did have a lot of help, but it wasn't a lot of help at the same time. Right. Especially when you're in desperate situations and money's tight and you're a young guy. For me, in the finance game, you know, who wants to go give you a million bucks of their money when you haven't proven yourself yet? So it was a big thing in my heart that I wanted to turn around and help do something like Shark Tank where we just gave away a landscape trailer and a pickup truck to a young kid that we saw hustling right and right. never asked for anything in return so that was always on my brain and I didn't have any money to give at the time but I thought that way so Fireside is all about turning around and helping the next guy or girl in line um, and you're a dude who went through some really hard shit in your life um, you've partnered up with great people from around the country with GCS now. You guys are an eight-figure company. That is not something small. And uh, you've got a great story to tell. So you embody everything Fireside's about, uh, and that's why I have you here. So welcome. I appreciate you having me here. I know it was a last-minute last deal, and I'm glad we could make it happen. Absolutely. So. so originally grew up in Phoenix area. Yep. Tell me a little bit about your, your childhood. And again, we don't have to go too deep, but it, it wasn't something that was easy on you. Yeah, I mean, I uh, grew up single mom, two brothers, no dad, no grandpa. So, like, no really male figures in my life. I just gravitated towards older males that I thought was right. Um, at a young age, like, my whole family was either in jail or on drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and me and my brothers made it out. Dropped out of high school. Uh, sophomore year, so didn't graduate. Um, and, you know, growing up, lived in a household full of a lot of people, right? A lot of animals, a lot of peep cousins and stuff that were just getting out of jail. Drug dealer cousin. Um, yeah, you told, me, you told me a quick story when we were hanging by the bar. Uh, tell us that one real fast, so just had, to give people a visual. So I would, um, we lived in like this 1,200 square foot house. I, I think it was around 1,200 square feet. Um, I lived there, my two brothers lived there, my mom lived there, my aunt, my cousin, um, and another two cousins, one of their girlfriends, five dogs, like three cats, like in this small ass house. Like the garage was converted to a bedroom. Me, my mom, and my, and my younger brother lived in there. Um, and my cousin would sell meth. He was a drug dealer, he sold meth. He'd chop it up in the sink. Like I always wonder why is there always these cut marks in the in the sink, but I didn't know any better. I was in like fourth grade, third, fourth grade, something like that. I think it was fourth. And uh, he used to always work on cars in the backyard. He had two Camaros that he worked on. So I'd always help him because I was always hands, I was good with my hands, I was hands on. Um, at a young age, I always wanted to be something, entrepreneur yeah. type, whatever, cutting grass, blah, blah, blah. You were interested to learn. Yeah, so 
I'd help him work on cars. Well, the neighbor across the street was also a drug dealer. So they would beef and stuff. So I remember one day in his Camaro, I'm sitting in passenger. We pull out of the gate and this guy, Brian, across the street is out and they start arguing. Well, my cousin pulls a nine millimeter out, puts it across my chest and I'm now again, grade. fourth grade, fourth he's grade. in fourth grade. So young, um, pointed at him. And then Brian's like, oh, you want to play with guns? Let me go inside and get my, he walks away to go get his gun. And then so my cousin's like, hey, just go back to the house and he watch it, make sure Brian doesn't come over here and fuck with anything. So um, kind of. So if Brian, this grown adult, comes back over with like an AR or, or another <laughs> what handgun, I, what, what, what am I protecting? Throw a wrench at him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. So. Um, That's a tough pretty, environment. Pretty know. wild situation. My mom um, got us out of there. You know, we moved to another aunt's and we eventually got a place of our own or whatever. Um, and then uh, cousin, we were through it though. Cousin lived there with no electricity for a while and stuff, with their boiling water and shit like the hot water and stuff like that. But we got out, went to went to a duplex and kind of lived there for the rest of my childhood growing up. So and. and Obviously, to paint the picture, you had an extremely difficult childhood. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was times, <clears throat> there was times where we'd get turkeys donated to us um, from the fire department, uh, clothes and stuff donated for Christmas from the school. Um, I didn't know any better. My cousin, who's a little bit older than me, was now he tells a story of like, yeah, I knew someone was up. I had a cool starter jacket on, and I went to school, and there was another kid that had one that was really similar I found out that he got it from the school and he's like that's how so that's where we got yeah. bikes or something like that did that so, motivate you later on in life like I don't want to ever have to be in that same position with my family yeah I've always I've always had that mentality of um just grinding just I'm just gonna work as soon as I was able to get a job I went and got a job so like 15 and a half I was able to legally get a job dropped um, out of high school right dropped out of high school I was riding BMX freestyle BMX were you any good yeah, I was a local pro. Um, no shit. Did, you know, backflips and all that type of stuff. And Mac, go get the bike. <laughs> it's probably, I still do a 360, 180 rollback. No shit. Where's the bike at? <laughs> no shit. Um, but, um, you know, I didn't party or anything like that. I was too busy riding bikes. And then I went to work at a bike shop. You were busy. Like you were into something. That's and good. And uh, I never took it completely serious because I couldn't afford to get hurt because I was supporting myself and I always had a job. I couldn't afford to not work. So, um, I know the feeling. And then, you know, when I was 18, my best friend's, uh, stepdad was working for a company in San Diego. They moved out to San Diego and was like, Hey, if you, uh, if you want to move out here, I get you and Matt both a job making $14 an hour. Um, starting on the glass industry. He was a project manager for a commercial company. Sweet, sounds good. I got, yeah. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to San Diego. Making like six dollars an hour right now. Like make fourteen dollars an hour. Get to go live in San Diego. Let's try it out. Moved out there, interviewed with the owner. Gave us both seven dollars an hour minimum wage to start. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm already out here. So yeah. it is what it, it is. is. What it is. So um, just started working for that, and that's how I got in the glass business. Was that? And usually, the glass business, you're either like raised in it, like you don't, you don't like go to school or grow up thinking I'm going to be a glazer. I'm going to go, go install some glass. You just either somehow get connected and get into it or you're raised in it. So, yeah, you, uh, it was something that gave you an out at the time. You know, yeah. you, you had nothing to hold on to. 
in Phoenix. Right. Got to go out to San Diego, beautiful weather. Yep. And learn a trade. You were already good with your hands. So from there, and I'll fast track your story because I want to get to GCS more and, and drill down. Yeah. You bounced around a little bit. You know, wanted to be a firefighter. And, yeah, bounced and around. And then like 2008, um, when the economy was kind of crashing and stuff, uh, I wanted to be a firefighter. So I went to school. I actually have a diploma now. I got it in like 2009, mm -hmm. um, an online class. I had my buddy help me online to make sure I was gonna pass it and shit. So I did an online thing just so I can go to college and mm -hmm. go do uh, go to EMT school. Mm -hmm. So became an EMT. Um, a prereq was you had to be on an ambulance for six months before you can even go to medic school. And in San Diego County, you had to be a medic to be a firefighter. I didn't really wanna be a medic, I just wanna be a firefighter. And so um, I kinda quit three days after I was on an ambulance. It just wasn't taking the pay cut from being a glazer to on an ambulance. Just what, and I had a kid and another one on the way. It just didn't work out. So yeah. Um, and also, you were married at the time. I was married at the time. Uh, then so helped a buddy in Texas after that because the economy sucked. He needed some help on a commercial job, the glass running it. So I went out there, bounced back and forth from San Diego to there for about six months. Moved back. My best friend's stepdad opened his own shop at that time, um, worked for him for a little bit. And then eventually like everything just went south. We had another kid, got divorced, um, and I moved back to Arizona. Yeah. I couldn't afford to pay child support, spousal support, and have no one in San Diego and try to live on my own in San Diego making $21 an hour. Yeah, it's very expensive out so, there in Cali. Yeah. So you moved back to Arizona. <clears throat> what did you start doing at that time? Uh, when I moved back, I went to work for a commercial glass company doing, you know, commercial buildings. And then I ended up going to work for a, uh, a Fortune 500 company that's a big building envelope to do residential and get back in the shower doors. Yeah, and during that time of your life, you were trying to obviously make ends meet. You know, you're trying to figure out your way. You were determined to have a better life than you had. Yeah. And you now had children back in California. Yep. And that was extremely hard on you. And you shared a, a pretty personal, private story with me that you said would be okay to talk on podcasts. And, and, and that's not easy to do, but you're going to potentially inspire someone to not do what you didn't do that day. You pulled yeah. off the side of the road and really contemplated ending your life. Yeah, so it was tough because, like I said, my kids were young. So I think my youngest was, jeez, I got divorced when she was turned one. Uh, so one in three. That's and, my daughter now. And I was like, I was that guy. I didn't have a dad growing up. So I was like, I'm going to make sure I'm in my kid's life. And people say that, I, like, you know, that side of the family, I ran away. But like I couldn't afford to live there, so I had no choice to move back home. So move back home, um, and just trying to make ends meet, but trying to stay in their life. And it was she made it tough, um, and couldn't see him fighting to see him. Like literally, I could have just gave up and not. So it is what it is. Like that she's trying to push uh, their stepdad to be their dad, um, and it just it ate at me. And one day driving home from a job, I was like, man, it's just, it's not worth it anymore. Like what, like I'm spending this money with attorneys. I don't even have, um, trying to fight to see my kids. And like, why do I have to fight to see my kids when like I'm doing everything right? Like I'm paying child support, paying spouse support. And I, you know, I just, 
didn't want to do it anymore. And I, at that point, I was like, this, there's, I have nothing going on and wanted to end it. Yeah, it's, um, I think there's a lot more men in this country that have that type of horrible thought um, more than we all know of. And it could be someone that you're close friends with or, or in your family. There's another gentleman, Pete. Uh, I'm not sharing anything that he hasn't shared. Actually, his, his 365 and the book that he put out, the ebook he put out, talks a lot about, you know, one day running and just you know, wanting to, to jump off the mm-hmm. edge of the, the, um, the bridge. You know, he was just so fed up of what was going on. It's, it's hard, and especially when you have two kids in another state and you're drowning in debt and bills. And I mean, it's, it's easy to, it's, it's really easy to get to that spot. Like, it's, it's easy. And I, I get choked up now still talking about it. Like, I don't yeah. have those thoughts at all, but it's still thinking you remember about my kids. Um, and the reason I didn't do it was my kids. You know, I thought, like, I can write them a letter, but I didn't trust anybody to, not one person that I trust, to get them a letter um, to, to tell my story. Yeah. And uh, those kids have you thriving today. So to move your story along a little bit more, you meet a, a wonderful lady who's yep. now your wife. And yep. your wife's first name, I'm sorry. Christy. Christy. You meet Christy. She's doing pretty well herself. You guys are get together. You're in, yep. a, you're in a room at her parents' house. You're figuring out life. You're sick and tired of working for other people because you had bounced around a little bit more. And you said, you know what? I'm doing some side work. Why not me? Yeah. Why not go all in? Talk and about those thoughts. Yeah, it was just, it was... Uh... It's weird because I thought about it in the past. I never did side work. Like, I've always been the employee. Like, I would jump through hoops for people, but I was never taken care of. And if I was taken care of the way that I feel like I take care of my employees, I probably would never open a business. Mm-hmm. But I was never taken care of. So um, I'm like, why, why, am I, why am I doing this? Um, so my best friend at that time, we went separate directions, you know, in life. And uh, he would always kind of come back around. He's like, hey, if I sell some shower doors on Craigslist, do you have someone you can get glass from? I'm like, yeah, I can get glass. Um, so we did a couple side jobs. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually see, I, I can make money. I'm like, man, if I can do this on the side after work, what can I do with all that extra time during the day? Like I can definitely grind and hustle and you know, pick up contractors and do the work. And one day, um, it kind of was about my kids again. You know, I wasn't, I didn't see them for six months. She came for me for six months. And finally I was gonna get them for Thanksgiving. And I was like, I told the company I am taking Friday off after Thanksgiving, I'm getting my kids. And um, I was told, no, you don't have any PTO. Uh, it's month in, you gotta be here. Uh, the managers had to be there for month in, but I wasn't a manager. They wouldn't pay me to be a manager. They, I was running everything in that division, but they wouldn't pay me. And I didn't have a title as a manager. I'm like, I'm not even a manager. Like, and so at that point, I'm like, I, I quit. Like, I put in my notice. Like, I'm done. And um, that was kind of it. They kept me around for a month after that to train someone now, else. Now, how old were you at that time? 29, 28, 29, right there. So for the thought of time... You then, at that point, had GCS be born, yeah, more or less, yep. right? And within my, the, my last day was December thirteenth of twenty thirteen. So two thousand thirteen, 
the next day you kind of embark on this yeah. journey. And then I kind of, then I went, then I actually officially started in January 1 of 2014. I'm like, what a perfect time to start a business, January 1. Mm. So I started January 1, 2014. January 1, 2014. You know, what did the first 18 months look like in that business? Um, well, like, so it started in the bedroom. Didn't even have the garage. It was full of crap. Didn't even have the garage. Um, and I'd will call my glass and I picked up a builder that he bought all his own glass and did the installs for him. So he kept me pretty busy and I crushed it the first year by myself with my cousin. Didn't, didn't really work. So I'd pay him under the table, but I mean, right out the gate, we did a quarter of a million dollars in the first year of, I mean, I didn't know how to run a business. I know how to install and do that. So learning the books and, you know, invoicing and pricing correctly and all and, that. And, so. and this is a nugget for people who watch the podcast. Yo, quick newsflash. Nobody knows how to fucking yeah. run a business when they start. Still don't know how to run a business correctly. Like, and I mean, you hire people every to do day, it. right? Yeah. You, you hire people. Running a PL, having yeah. a CFO, doing projections of cash flow, all that stuff. No one knew how to do. I didn't know how to do. I right. still know how to do. Right. I pay people that help me do that, right? right. I'm, I'm focused on what so I the, do best. The first person I ever hired was a CPA. Because I knew I didn't want to get caught up in the tax bullshit. Yeah. So I'm, I hired a CPA. And the and tax I, game sucks. And you know? I kind of just went out and did my own thing. And then from there, we moved into an apartment. Um, and then... Uh, when did you guys get married? <laughs> You're going to laugh at me. Like, we don't know dates. We always forget dates. We don't celebrate our anniversary. We just yep. like... It's like 2000, uh, 2015. No, 16. Happy anniversary. Yeah. 2016, <laughs> any day. <laughs> and my wife will laugh because it's always like, oh, it was our anniversary. But like, we just don't celebrate like that. So, yeah. But uh, what happened was we're in the apartment and then my mom got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Um, I'm the only one that lives in Arizona. My brothers live in other states. So the burden fell on me to take care of her. But I was just a, a year in to getting the business going. So my wife had a really good career. Like she went to college and um, all that and had a good, good job as a therapist. And, uh, she chose to walk away from her job to take care of my mom, take her to all her doctor's appointments, chemo, radiation, um, get all the paperwork in line. And that's when I was like, man, she deserves <laughs> me to marry her. Yeah. So, um, it's funny cause I had a job it was a wine cellar job for Paul Fleming, the owner of Fleming Steakhouse and part of P.F. Chang's and all that. Yep, yeah. And as the first wine cell I ever did was in Fisherman's Wharf, San Francisco. So I got flown out there and everything. So I'm like, what a perfect time. I'm gonna bring her with me. And I, I bought a ring and I'll propose at the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and we I proposed in 2015, got married in 2016. That's awesome, man. So. And you've done some pretty cool shit. You've, you did those glass stairs in Grant Cardone's house, right? One of his uh, houses? In uh, Brandon Dawson, his business partner. Yeah, we did some partner's house, glass yeah. railings in his And that's house. on your Instagram. Like, those are, like, mm -hmm. sick. And we did... Um, I'd be nervous almost, like, walking up those. Hudson Yards. Yep. Uh, Billionaire's Playground. We did Wine mm -hmm. Spectator in there. We did custom, custom wine cabinets. And then uh, the Observation Deck. Yep. The restaurant in there, Peak or whatever yeah. it's called. Yep. We did all the wine cellar and the whiskey cabinets in there. That's sick. It's beautiful in there. So um, that was a pretty cool job. We got a union exemption to fly out to do that job. It's sneaking us in the back door and shit late nights to work on that job. And, you know, you have scaled this business and you have partners in multiple states now, um, five locations looking to take on additional partners or 
buy people out who are looking to maybe right. retire. Um, talk about what your thought process was on scaling. You know, what, what was that? So I, it really didn't like, we were doing pretty good in Phoenix. You know, we were doing seven figures. Um, and then I just had this idea. So a buddy of mine, a really one of my best friends uh, that worked with me coming up in San Diego, he ended up becoming a paramedic and moved to Colorado. So he was a paramedic in Colorado and he was tired of it. And I'm like, hey, it's 2018. Why don't we just open up a GCS out here? We'll be partners. And like, it can, we can scale this thing pretty easy. And um, that's where it started was like from there. So we did that um, and started having a little bit of success. Like the trends, every time you open a new company is better than the last company, right? It happens faster. So like I can see the growth was happening better than it did in Phoenix faster. Um, and then we kind of got, we kind of got a little bit slow and then I met Chance and Chance was in Austin. He owned uh, uh, Ames Glass and Ames Mirror and Glass out there. And uh, he had some stuff going on with his daughter. So he needed to move out of that climate and he was moving to, he wanted to move to Denver because they had a really good children's hospital. So um, he called me one day and we didn't really, we didn't know each other too much. We just kind of exchanged stuff on Instagram and everything. And he's like, hey, uh, we're trying to move to Denver. Let me come out there and blow up your Denver location. And we always had kind of the same same vision. You know, we wanted to create this company um, and help others and the school for glazing and stuff like that. And we always talk about it. And so he moved out to Colorado doing sales and marketing for us. I didn't market really. Like yeah. it was word to mouth. You know, yeah, the contractors you had, contractors you were busy and enough. everything. And if anyone saw my video yesterday on Instagram, like stopping in on a job site where a contractor is trying to sell a shower door, um, that's how it was built. Yeah. But and then we kind of did the marketing thing and kind of took off from there. And yeah, you actually don't have much. Our our relationship started through my partner in Patriot Payments, Dylan. Mm -hmm. And as I started to follow you, we had a conversation. I remember I was walking on East Ave up here by the ocean. Now sitting in front of Sportsman's Warehouse, ready to go buy some stuff for hunting. Yeah, I mean, this dude's a good dude. He's got a pretty wild story. I'm like, why why don't I know it? Why yeah. haven't I seen it? You know, eight figure business, you know, they're 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 scaling, they're putting the, the right standard uh, out there for glasswork. Um, good people, love America, patriots. Like you need to tell your story more. Yeah. And I've been, I've been chirping at you in the right, DM. Right. Like, I don't want to see you mountain climbing anymore. I don't want to see your ultra run. Tell me about your business. Tell me about your story. Yeah. And, uh, I know that's uncomfortable, especially for you. You're, you're pretty open about that. Right. But, uh, you have a story to tell, man. You're going to inspire someone today and you and your partners are building, you know, a ridiculous business. You're right here in Long Island. You're looking to be in Jersey. You're out here looking to buy a Jersey glass business. So if anybody who watches this podcast, you have a glass business here in Jersey, make sure you reach out to Brandon and his partners. Uh, your other partner is right in Long Island. Yeah. Uh, I have a bunch of Long Island friends and family out there. Like, these are your glass guys. Make sure you hit up GCS. Yeah. So when we talk about scaling a business, right, standard operations, mm -hmm. procedures, right? Automation, optimization, you know, what is, what is the top three things that you think is important? Um, systems, branding, uh, and training. Yeah. And you do some pretty cool stuff. I, I watch your Instagram, 
you get a guy up on the table, he's kind of shredded. He starts like flexing, doing push-ups in the morning. You get everybody stretching <laughs> yeah, out. We're trying to trying to build the culture even better at the shops. You know what I mean? So, um, just trying to get everyone involved. Um, you know that, that culture is a big thing. I mean, if you if you don't have culture, it's hard to scale a business. So trying mm -hmm. to get trying to get guys to buy, buy in, in and all that. So um, branding's huge. The systems we have our own software that's helped us scale. Um, I have to credit that. You know, built it out early on. I'm, I'm going to get to the software in a second. Branding. What is what is like? You know, we all read Shoe Dog, right? Nike. Everybody knows the swoosh. Right. And I, that was something that taught me years ago when I you know watch that book even if i stay small as a finance guy like have a brand people know locally right. at least what do you really do to help you and your company grow in a sense of branding um just you know it all starts with just your logo your name and everything so our original name was grand canyon state glass design it was long as shit that's a lot and when every time i'd buy a vehicle and i had to sign brandon owner grand canyon state glass design on all these pages i'm like dude this is terrible like mm -hmm. So, and then I'm like, we're going to other states, can't have Grand Canyon State glass design in other states. And so we went to GCS and like that, like that's the name that people know. So they're, they'll hear GCS, they're gonna know it's glass company. They're gonna know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. don't, don't have to associate glass to it. It'll know exactly what it is here in the future. But like just wrapping your vehicles, nice shirts, nice hats. Yeah. Um, we went as far as custom Nikes, orange and black Nikes for all the employees that said GCS glass on them. Yeah, uh, th th those details that cost a couple extra bucks, like, go a long way. And, and my big thing is, like, I'm not going to buy the great hat you have on. I love that thing. Make sure I get one. Right? Um, the cheap T-shirts. Like, we're going to buy nice T-shirts. Like, mm. our guys want extra hats and extra shirts they can wear to go out in because they love it. They That's love your the grill of marketing looks. right there. And um, every that before I left, they said, hey, what are we doing this year? Are we doing jackets or are we doing hoodies? Like, Every year I do something different, a hoodie or a jacket or something nice for the guys. And so now they look forward to that. So mm -hmm. every year they're like, hey, what are we getting for? Yeah, nice Carhartt jacket you know? or whatever mm -hmm. it is. We did Carhartts last year for all the owners. Mm -hmm. um, and we did, you know, nice dry duck uh, jackets with all the guys' names on them a few years ago. So we just do do things like that and then just try to brand everything you have because, you know, brands withstand the economy yeah. right yeah. when it's slow like brands stick out they remember them absolutely so where do you look to go actually before i go into that the software piece this is a real important piece you have a lot of people in your industry reaching out to use this software talk a little bit about the software and so we have we actually have three softwares that is part of our stack so we have our main crm um that everything goes into we we write our estimates we invoice out of uh, we have our accounts receivable. We have all our reports, project managed through it, um, schedule through it. The guys have iPads in the field, so everything is on the cloud. So we get it instantly when they when they take a picture of a job and put it. It's in there, um, all that. Then we have a sales and marketing um, platform called Follow Up, and essentially what is automation and uh, communication and all that. So we text customers. They come into our world. You know, we have custom built pipeline in it. Um, and we're able to quote our customers and text it to them within five minutes. Like that's our thing. We'll get you a quote within five minutes. We don't have to go into your house to get you a quote. So we've kind of changed, um, people were doing it, but we pushed it really hard to change where we don't have to drive around all day long. Yeah, send me a picture of your shower. Send me a picture. We do thousands of shower that's doors. The car insurance companies do yeah. nowadays. You get into an accident, take a picture, you upload it to their app. 
there's there's uh, landscape companies that would just go on Google Google Earth and give you a quote by looking at your yard. Yeah, the roofing. They yeah. can just get a, a you know, picture so from the sky. So we're like, take a picture, send us rough sizes, and we'll get your quote within five minutes. And we close jobs left left and right, and we just send them through text message. And it, we crushed it during COVID mm -hmm. because we don't ever have to go into your home. So when people are worried about COVID, they're like, and they're sitting at home and wanting the remodel, like, oh, we can do this, but we can get quotes without anyone coming out here or bothering yeah. us. Or any, and the software is so intelligent, I could probably measure it for you. And stuff. so we, so what it does is we built that automation, so it's touch points to people because it's it's um, seven to twelve times, seven to twelve follow ups is eighty percent of your sales, and people don't realize that. Yeah. And that's why we named it follow up. And the slogan is the money is in the follow up. Mm -hmm. Nobody follows up with customers anymore because yeah. they're always on to the next. Well, one. they get busy chasing their tail. Or yeah. So, um, and then we have price up, which is our estimating like shower doors. So it's, it's a, um, essentially we have default layouts of the basic frameless shower doors we do. And so all you gotta do is punch in the sizes after you do all the back end stuff and you build your templates, you just punch in the sizes and it gives you a sale price. So that way you can train inside sales people to quote super quick. And then the goal is to, um, here pretty soon, hopefully within the next year is to attach it all to follow up that when a customer comes in from Google or they come in off our website where they put in their sizes and they pick what they want, it automatically prices it and price up and follow-up sends them a text message with a quote and then puts them in an automation. We don't even talk to them in the middle of the night and we're selling shower doors. That's huge. Yeah, you got you got a husband and wife messing around. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock, they're laying in bed. Yep. And bloop, that's going to be, you know, five yeah. grand, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you don't, and then all you do is like, people are so scared of automation nowadays. They're so scared of AI and all the automation stuff. It's here like, to stay. So you it's might it's well here to stay. It. It's not going anywhere, and it's going, it's coming fast. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not sitting there with automation. Like we're still talking to customers. It's human back. Like we're still, it's us on the other line talking to the customers and stuff like that as well. But there's just automation. The touch points that you don't need 15 employees to keep doing this. You can have automation do that, and your customer experience goes through the roof, right? Because that's the biggest thing is we're taking care of the customer and our quality. So I think there's a lot more business that can optimize and automate their business than they think they can't. Right. They're kind of stuck in an old school way. They, they're afraid of technology. Well, the you, thing is right now, like, I can go anywhere in the world and still operate my business. Yeah. Like, Huge. I, I can just take my laptop with me and I can quote showers wherever I am. I can still communicate. I can see what's it's going on. It's so funny on. you say that. I have a young kid, Nick, and he's like, uh, he sold off his landscape company. He's got a couple of restaurants. And he's so what do you want? He's like, I want to be the guy that can work on the beach from my laptop. And and nowadays with AI and different technology, if you're embracing it properly, like you can go and do that. I'm going to take a quick break. Yeah, how come you got the good chair? I got ash all over me. Yeah, actually, yeah usually I'm blocked by the, uh, the shed. So if the wind's coming that way or the fire's burning, usually the ash is falling over there. Occasionally I get it. It's all good. You had all black on. I want to make sure I, I right? peppered you. Now I look like a Dalmatian. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back. We're going to get into the juicy part of the podcast, a little bit more of the trending topics. Sweet. Thank you. Taking a quick break in the podcast, I want to talk about the Pit 2.0. What is the Pit 2.0? It's made up of a huge network of people across all different industries that are solving problems, creating solutions, and also bringing together a lot of marketing and sales ideas. So if you want to get into a Pit group like this, very inexpensive, 147 a month. If you want to learn more about it, check out the links and the information below. Hopping back in. Took a little break, a little bathroom break. Yeah. Good thing for the pee shed. Get the, get the ashes off get me. Get the ash off you. We got, we got it on the hat. Yeah, that's a beautiful hat. I need to get go. one of those too. 
I actually had a shirt for you and I forgot at the hotel. Ah, that's right. Send it to me in the mail. Nice, yeah. nice hat. I got a do epic shit shirt. One percent better on the back. I like the shirt and I like I like the hats, man. Yeah, I'll send, send it, it to I'll you. rock it. I'll rock it on the podcast. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal life, talk about some trending topics. Uh, you have an awesome business. You guys are going places. That software is something that is unique and a lot of people need to hook up with you um, when it comes to that stuff. So you're also big into the ultras, big into running. Yeah. I'm always chirping in your DM. Like, Why are you running, running the mountain again? You just did core in the gym. Yeah. You're running 10 miles up the mountain, 20 miles. You know, talk a little bit of how you got into that world. Um, so I hunt a lot and I, you know, followed a guy, Cameron Haynes, and he's an endurance athlete. If you so. don't know Cameron Haynes, you probably live on the yeah. side of a cliff or something. I mean, probably best bow hunter in the world, right? Uh, sponsored by Hoyt, was sponsored by Under Armour. He's been or, on Rogan know, multiple times. Been on one of Rogan's really good friends. Um, got Rogan, like, into bow hunting, I think, so. But, um, you know, so I followed him and started seeing that, and I'm like, and I, I needed to make a change. And, you know, I was working behind the desk. I wasn't in the field a lot anymore, so I was gaining weight. I was just out of shape, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna start running. Like, I hate running. And I'm like, I'll start running a quarter mile, I'd feel like I was gonna have a heart attack, mm-hmm. um, just dead. And then, you know, started running and a little bit more. And then like, and then this year in January, like at the end of the year, I was kind of like training and running a little bit, um, but I wasn't nothing long distance. And I'm like, you know, like, I'm gonna see how far I can push myself next year. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I can do. And then literally in January, um, I met Eric and, for people that don't know, Eric McCormick, Outlaw Strength. So in the David Goggins video of him bench pressing, who's going to carry the boats? Um, yeah. Very that, famous video. You can look it yeah, up on YouTube. That's Eric behind him saying, you are, David, you are, 21, yeah. 22. And Eric's your boy. You guys train together three days a week, he said. Three days a week we train together. Really good friend of mine. Um, he trained Cameron Haynes for 12 years. I saw one day that he moved to Arizona, and I hit him. I slipped into his DMs. I was like, well, well let's, let's see what's going to happen. Let's see if he writes me back. And I'm like, I didn't know you moved to Arizona. And he wrote me right back. He's like, yeah. And we talked a little bit and he's like, let's get a workout in. I went and worked out with him for the first time and like, that guy was gonna die. Yeah. Like, and I, I thought I was in decent shape and I was like freaking gonna puke and freaking yeah. ears were clogged and everything. Yeah, and yeah, then, uh, yeah. you know, he started working out and then um, he had a videographer, um, this guy, Brandon, and Brandon's done ultras. He's ran, you know, a 200 miler and stuff on his own and some crazy shit. And then one day, so I did a uh, half marathon in January. It was the longest I ever ran. Eric showed up, I ran the half marathon, and do my, like, I didn't know whether to sit down or jump around or stand up. My knees and my legs hurt so bad, they were aching so bad. I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like, is the pain gonna go away? And like, and I'm like, shit. And, um, and then literally like two weeks later, I probably didn't run, two weeks later, uh, I met this other guy, Kiefer, and he trained with Eric, and he ran ultras. And then he signed up for a 60K, which is 37 miles. And Brandon signed up. And Brandon was like, well, you should sign up. I'm like, fuck, 37 miles, dude? Like, I just ran 13. after 13. And then uh, he goes and he, uh, he, I was like, fuck it. I'll sign up. February 19th, like a month later. I ran probably 10 miles between. That was this year? That was this year. I ran I ran um, uh, 10 miles from 
my half marathon to when I was doing this 37 mile. And so half marathon pavement, right? Yeah. This 37 mile ultra is in the mountains. Um, and and I if you've never even hiked in the mountains, I mean, it's it's hard to yeah. just. Walk I didn't it. know. What, I didn't know what to expect. So I'm like, okay, start running. Cool. Like I'm good. Group of people, we're going. And then it's like, we hit the first aid station at like mile six. And I'm like, all right, I feel kind of good. And then mile ten, I'm like, ooh, I'm starting to feel the same pain in my knee that I felt in the half. I'm like, here we go. Mile thirteen, I'm like, oh man. And all of a sudden, I'm like, right, I'm in uncharted territory. I've never been past thirteen miles. Like, I'm going. And then uh, we hit the halfway point, like it was like 19 miles. And I'm like, all right, this this is the big aid station. So we're eating and stuff a little bit and getting ready to go. And then we leave and I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like we're only halfway done. Mm. <laughs> I still got to go another 18 miles. Yeah, a lot. And uh, and it's getting, it's getting harder. Like the course wasn't, it started off easier. And then we're going into Black Canyon, which is like up and down sharp rocks and stuff like that so we're going and then Kiefer was gonna we were gonna run together all three of us and Kiefer's like I'm gonna I'm feeling good I'm gonna I'm see gonna what I off. can do so he went and then you know at like mile 21 Brandon's like I'm gonna just empty the gas tank and see what I can do and I'm like all right cool I'm out here by myself fucking running was it dark no it was during the day yeah but I'm like all right here we go so Brandon's gone. I'm by myself. There's not really too many people around me anymore. And then mile like 22, I fucking rolled my ankle and fell. Ooh, like, fuck. And so my ankle's hurting. So I'm going, I'm running. And then I get to another aid station. And I remember this one aid station. I don't even remember what mile it was at. Like my calves started to cramp up really bad because someone told me if you don't sweat that much, you probably don't need any salt. You'll probably be good. No, that was a that was a fucking lie. You need a lot of salt when you're running that far, right? Because you're just sweating it all out. So, like, and uh, I remember, so I was running, like shuffling my feet until I start feeling my calves start to ball up and about to cramp, mm. and then I would like let off and let them go back down, and I'd walk for a second, and then I'd do it again and just repeat. And then I I remembered I went to go run across the pavement, so I came out of the out of this little hill onto the pavement and I go to start running to this aid station and my shit tightened up and I just almost like I, I couldn't lift my legs I almost tripped and fell in the middle of the road um got through it and then you know I still ran 15 miles like that and finished it took me 10 hours and 22 minutes to do that's it that's incredible man and then I called Eric it was on a Sunday and then we went and ate pizza and I was like I don't feel that bad when I'm walking around and so I, I text Eric I'm like hey we training in the morning He's like, that's up to you, brother. Like, I'm like, I think I feel good. And then I fucking went to bed and I woke up at like midnight to take a piss. And like, I couldn't even walk. I'm like, yeah. text him. I'm like, dude, I can't walk. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> um, so you were, I, you were pumped up with the adrenaline yeah. finishing that. But so that was I reality mean, set in. Like the whole half, second half of the race, I'm like, yeah, fucking ultras. I'm not going to do these. I'll leave it for someone else. I'll do something. But you should do another one, right? But then when you finish, you're like, man, that was awesome. Like, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I did another one a little bit different. It was, uh, I did back-to-back 27Ks, -back so it was like 17 miles. So we did a 17-mile night race, and then you go to bed and wake up the next morning and do 17 miles again, so it was 34 miles. Um, but I was fresh after that. Like, I started training after that, so I was good. Um, I could have I could have kept going. So. And that's launched you into the whole world. Obviously, you already liked hunting. Yeah. You know, it, Eric got you the so ability to go see Cam Haynes yeah. and all the so guys So I started this thing, you know, I started, I did the shirt, do epic shit. 
and that was the saying is let's just do epic shit in our life and then on the back it says one percent better because i always say you know be one percent better every day um but that's kind of the whole thing we're doing the grand canyon in november probably on my birthday rim the rim the rim it's 50 miles in a day um but just do do tough stuff i did a sprint triathlon recently never did a try never rode a road bike bought a road bike and i was like well try it out um I took 39th out of 195 people and fourth in my class, so pretty impressive. wasn't wasn't too bad. So I'm gonna probably I got a Olympic triathlon in October, and I'm gonna go do an Ironman in April. So that's awesome, and it's allowed you to go meet some of these great guys like Cam Haynes. Yeah, and- kind of get into their circle and stuff like that. And you know, um, Eric's helped me with my nutrition and fitness, like change the way I look at eating. You know, yeah. to feel your body, not because you're hungry, but to feel your body. It's like a race car high perform you know you need high performance stuff so yeah um, make sure you're doing it right well listen you're a high performance guy yeah your business is operating at high performance and, and then like by doing that it excels me to be able to operate the business at a higher level like yeah. to being level-headed and just clear and focused mm-hmm. and you know the thing. that's why if you know back in the day young kid advisor it was happy hour and dinners right. and taking people out and now you know i've had two or three of these light little like uh, girly drinks, some people would say nowadays, but like I got to stop that or I can't get up and yeah. work out and function and be. Yeah. So my thing is, my day usually starts at three thirty in the morning. Yeah. So I'm usually, usually usually up at three thirty in the morning. Um, I haven't done it recently because I have to fix it. But I'd cold plunge. I'd wake up at three thirty and go right into my cold plunge. Um, start my day. <coughs> go to the gym. You can't do like four thirty, four forty-five. When I work out with Eric, we work out at five thirty, so I sleep in a little bit. I wake up at four. But on days where I'm working out by myself, I wake up at 3.30 and get to the gym, like, right as it opens. Yeah. So that's 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 so, insane, but it's obviously helping you yeah, do so big get shit, it out do of the way. Shit. So, like, do the hard shit first, right, and just get out of the way. And then you've already won the day. Yep. Like, you, you work out and do all that, you already won the day. And it's, like, it's nice being able to do all that. And then, like, people are still sleeping. Some days, like right now, I'm on probably 15-hour day. I was up at 4.45. Um, doing this podcast, you know, relatively by the time you guys get out of here, I shower, I get to bed. It's it's almost an 18-hour day right. for me. Um, I may not want to get up at 4.45 again tomorrow, right? <laughs> so sometimes I have midday workouts, but the days I am up, which is most of the days, and I get that early morning workout in, it's so much better of a day. I'm so much more clear. My speech comes, you know, sometimes when my brain's fogged, the words don't come to me as clear. I'm not in that flow yeah. state. When I'm working out, I'm hitting the sauna, I'm hitting the cold plunge. I mean, that's helped me, like, talk on Instagram more is, like, because you just, that dopamine rush and all yeah. that stuff, right? You work out and you do all Nobody ever leaves. It jogs a, your thoughts. Nobody ever leaves a gym in a bad mood. Nope. Right? Like, no one. So no. it just kind of, it just helps you, you know, that cognitive stuff. Yeah. That's so. awesome. So this is, the, this is the new part of our podcast is kind of talking about some trending topics that are out there on the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, you see Andy and, and his podcast, it's Cruise the Internet. Yeah. So it's kind of my version of Cruise the Internet. Um, the, the first one I wanted to ask you about was Tucker Carlson, right? He's fired from Fox. Yeah. He goes and has an interview with Trump. We're guys who love America. And uh, like half the country tune yeah, into it. Yeah, or yeah I think like half that. the country, like 178 million it's people insane. within 12 hours. It's now well over 250 million people who have viewed the interview. Uh, in its entirety, which is really impressive. Yeah. And uh, so I started to pay attention to Tucker a little bit closer. He has on this individual who claims to have had uh, sexual relations with Obama. 
right? He uh, now whether or not this is true, you and I have no idea. Right. Um, could be a complete, you know, fantasy bullshit, and this guy's just looking for some fame. Yeah. And uh, but what most people don't know about that interview was Tucker vetted out his story, at least his team did, and also gave the guy a lie detector test. Oh shit! And he passed it all. Now whether or not you could scam a lie detector yeah. test, you know, I've heard in the past you can. Right. But but who knows? I mean, they they took the effort they could to try to. You yeah, because he's. I mean, Tucker Carlson's not just going to have anybody on. No, right? he can't. Yeah. Right. It's a part of his brand. And he's going to lose his credibility. Yep. And and again, maybe it was below Tucker, or maybe this guy's legit as it comes. But they talked about he met him in the bar. You didn't know who Obama was at the time. He was a senator in Chicago. Yeah. Um, they asked him if he can get coke. You know, Obama says, get in my limo. They go somewhere, Obama gets coke, and he starts snorting it, and, and, and supposedly Obama's smoking it. And uh, before they know it, they were, you know, having sex, you know, back at his place. Um, when you see something like that, right, and again, it's not that you can't be gay in this country. Yeah. You do whatever you want to do. Right. But uh, for somebody who doesn't talk about that or you're a president who smoked crack and, you know, is that the person we want to lead this country? You know, right. what do you think about when you see that interview? I mean, honestly, it doesn't surprise me mm. nowadays. Like, I feel like just nothing, Everything goes. nothing surprises me nowadays. I just like, oh, really? Like, but I don't know. There's wild stories out there. But it's just one of those things where, like I said, I mean, Tucker Carlson's not going to just have any Joe Blow on there that's going to ruin his credibility. So, like, there had to have been something there that people felt was true. And yeah. I, he's not out there to destroy his destroy Obama's image just to destroy it, right? Why does it matter? So, yeah, but, some people go into it's entertainment business, which, again, yeah. my podcast is, you know, we try to keep it, you know, real as fuck. Right. But, you know, we want to talk about trending topics, too, because that helps you get additional views on the Internet and right. stuff. So. Some people are like, oh, you know, you gave him a, a lie detector test. Yeah. He was approaching it pretty seriously, and this guy's got a really vivid story. And, again, anybody can make up a vivid story if you have somewhat of an IQ um, and, and walk through these chain of right. events. But he was like, oh, I started rubbing Obama's leg, and it wasn't his first <laughs> time. He fucking he liked it, you know? And uh, it's just wild <clears throat> to think of. And, you know, you hear people out there rumbling, you know, Michelle is really a man. Yeah, and Michael or whatever <clears throat> Michael yeah. and. You know, they're going to run. And again, you know, that's unfair, too, right? Because who really knows what she is and, right. or isn't? And you can identify as anything nowadays. So um, she identifies as whatever she is. Right. But uh, Or he is. <clears throat> but pretty wild stuff to think about. This president of the United States was smoking crack and somebody who claims to be a heterosexual male is... But it'll get, it'll get brushed under the rug and no one will with talk everything about else, it, right? With everything else, Nothing ever... Like Hunter sleeping with minors and... Yeah, you know, blowing lines in the White House and yeah. everything else that goes on. Most around. secure house in the world, and they don't know where the coke came from. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, right? Yeah. Uh, second trending topic, which is really here on the East Coast, and you guys, you know, really mm -hmm. jogged my memory with it. There was an inmate that brutally murdered his girlfriend, uh, stabbed her to death. I forget like what 30, amount of time, but like it was a 30, thirty-two times. It was or a something? brutal murder. Yeah, brutal murder scene. He escaped prison. In PA, um, and he's been on the run for two weeks. He was actually just captured today. Um, when you think about that, right? Like, first off, how did this new inmate 
who doesn't know the system, the procedures, figure out a way out of jail. I don't know exactly. I don't know. Does anybody know how long he was in before he escaped? It was relatively quick, right? Does anybody know? I don't. I don't know. He wasn't in there long. You know, maybe maybe a week, maybe two. Um, got out of jail and was terrorizing a, a, a town. They were looking for him in wooded areas. Yeah. At one point, he broke into a garage, stole a rifle. Got shot at. Got shot at. Uh, I heard there's a video of him escaping that's pretty crazy, like the way he escaped, too. I didn't see it. we got to put that plug in, Ev, yeah. in this for everybody. But really wild story, and they finally captured him today. Um, they actually sicked a dog on him. He, yeah, he got some, bit him in his head yeah, and shit. Yeah, got some big bites. Like, how the hell does that happen? Like, like what do you think is going on that this guy's able to do what he did and then escape within that short period I don't know because the story that I heard um, and I, I don't know I haven't looked it up so but I heard like I don't know if someone escaped before him got caught and then like a couple days later he got out like a different way or same same way in the same area something like that but um, I forgot about it too until you guys I thought that that guy was I didn't even know about caught. it and I saw it today we're eating and I was like oh sh- must must have caught caught that dude and like there was like 40 fucking SWAT guys did this guy have like out. a prior like history as like a seal or green beret like like no, he didn't look to good, evade no. the I authorities? Don't even know. I I heard something that he wasn't even uh I heard he was an illegal immigrant. Yeah, was he a illegal immigrant? I don't yeah, know. I, I think I he was too, yeah. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eagle, he was an Eagles fan. He's a Phillies fan. You gotta watch those South South Jersey. Like, they like when's the last manhunt that's happened? Like that long. When someone escaped prison and been on the loose that long. They, like, were taking pictures with them, all the SWAT. Like, they all lined up, kneeling down and shit. It was like a big photo op. Yeah. What was that, Ev? The Boston bomber. Yeah, the Boston yeah. bomber, really. When those guys were terrorizing a neighborhood after the Boston bombing, you know? Yeah. That shootout in the middle of the neighborhood. Yeah, but they out the boat. It wasn't a man. I mean, it wasn't a, they didn't escape from prison. It was for a day. Days, maybe right? 12 hours, yeah. 14 hours. Water, Watertown or yeah. water something. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Good memory. They made a movie about that. They did. Mark Wahlberg. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's wild shit to think that. And now these people who live in that area, like, just imagine being there and knowing that the authorities are being like, hey, he was in your neighbor's garage. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Right? You, you make sure that every weapon that you have legally inside that house, or maybe illegally, you're, uh, <laughs> you have armed and ready. Yeah. You, know, you have your kids there, right? Right. I don't think I'd be going to bed. I'd be, I have a little balcony above my so my master that kind of oversees my whole property that's what they're saying like the people like when you're watching tv they're watching their cameras and stuff like be pretty wild i'd be doing the same shit i got cameras all around my perimeter. i mean i i'd personally probably be out there be hunting for them so yeah my buddies yeah well, <laughs> kind of like that uh you would read, find him and kill him, and then you'd go to jail <laughs> probably you read that uh tim kennedy book right yeah that how was... he starts out in the beginning and it's like you're thinking like he's in this crazy zone he talks about how like he was like Eight years old. Yeah. Not, and they were they were on a manhunt. A guy that got out of jail. Yeah. They were chasing. It's like dude, the same thing. Dude, he's got a. You know that book is great. Dude, insane. If you haven't read that book, like. Yeah. And what was the name of it again? I'm drawing a blank. It's um. Scars and stripes. Stars and stripes. Stars and stripes. Yeah. Scars and stripes. Right. Scars and stripes. Scars and stripes. Yeah. Man, dude, he, just, he did some wild shit. Yeah, especially like, like the plunger story where he's out there just like. <laughs> People are rolling around on the ground. And he's just out there, just shooting them to make sure they're dead. Dude, yeah, he he has. Or the grenade. And even the stuff with with the sex trafficking. Oh, you know, yeah. He talked about you know it was pretty sure it was Houston. Pretty sure it was Houston. He was running some ops when he got back from the military, 
and he sat down with this guy who was running girls. Um, pretty sure they were minors. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, the Super Bowl was going on. Yeah. So the local police were like, hey, we're, we're fully over here at the stadium to keep, you know, the safety. We don't care about the situation. And Tim's going, fuck this. Like, he ran up in the hotel, went up to the dude, and dude was like, fuck you, pussy. Like, I, I know that you got no jurisdiction. You can't do shit about it. And he was like, I could easily kill this motherfucker right now. He deserves it. Um, but then my kids are sitting at home without yeah. their dad and, and it, I'm the, in jail. All the stories he has, like, like... Crazy. Just crazy. Like, if someone came up to you on the street and started telling you all these stories, you'd be like, you're full shit. Like, but, like, these stories that, like, the whole thing with, like, all the girls pregnant and stuff like that, then the one girl that had AIDS Swimming out in the middle of the like ocean. Swimming in the ocean naked. Yeah, Coast Guard rescued, grabbing them. Like, um, or the... The sat phone, yep. when he finally got out of Afghanistan because all the planes left. Yep. And, like, he said those um, those people back stateside, like, it wasn't, it was, like, not yeah, senators. Yeah, he thought he was going to die. It was not senators, but it was someone that his buddy was helping that was an officer. They were talking about, like, um, selling cocaine to these drug dealers to hijack a fucking airplane yeah. to go pick them up and shit oh, yeah. and hear from them and all that. Well, he's been around the world, and he's, he, I'm sure he's well-connected in these intelligence communities and... yeah. And even that like hunting Hitler thing he did. Yeah, that was, was a great show too. It was pretty wild. I watched it after I did read you? the book. Yeah, it was really it's good. It's pretty wild how he talked about how like he got locked in that compound and yeah. shit. Like, it's super wild <laughs> shit. He's a gnarly dude. He's actually, you know, he's got sheepdog response. Yeah. Which is training a lot of you know you know elite people, but also regular people how to, you know, handle a gun. You know, situations that you potentially may get in. And you need to protect yourself, your family. And then also I think the coolest thing that he's doing is his schools. Yeah. Um, my wife is a retired school teacher. Um, thankfully, we're blessed to be able to bring her home. And we have another friend. I don't want to say too much. Uh, not that Tim's going to see my podcast. Hopefully he does. But she's in the last interviews to bring one of his schools here. Oh, and the cool. concept is to do more regular hands-on training, you know, tools, screwdrivers, yeah. critical thinking, you know, not the traditional program that we see nowadays. And I know in Jersey, there's a lot of people. And again, we're, we're a liberal state. And there's pods popping up all over the place. My wife my wife homeschools our, our kids. Yeah. Um, it's just. What do you think about the homeschooling? Obviously, you believe in it. Um, yeah, it's tough because, like, I grew up in the public school system. And I'm like. Different now, I though. didn't graduate high school. And I'm like, I turned out fine. Um, but I, I think our kids thrive you know, being homeschooled and there's not that much pressure on them and they're smarter than if they went to school. And then all the bullshit that goes on in school, like all the stuff that gets pushed. I do think if you have a strong foundation at home, it's hard to manipulate your kid, but um, there's just too much crap going on. And she's like, I'm not sending my, I'm not sending the kids to school. Yeah, my wife was was in it. She's pretty laid back. Uh, she wouldn't fight the school system. She played by the rules within, you know, her, her, her abilities. Yeah. But, you know, she had a kid that wanted a kitty litter. They, you know, went from a boy to a girl. And right. then it identifies as a cat. And just, you know, the, the transgender stuff, you know, do whatever you want to do. But, you know, in young kids, it's it's a tough thing for, you know, me to swallow. And then you hear about the groomers in the school system. You you hear about what the I books didn't realize, are. I didn't realize until, like, I was older, like, how liberal the school systems are. I mean, it was given up by like, the Republicans, you know, how many years ago. And 
little by little, that was the indoctrination of the country, right? right. How you slowly divide everybody, and you know, it's through race and you know, sexual mm-hmm. orientation, and it's it's a sick thing that you know we're not cool with. Our son's in a, a prep school now; he's four, but uh, he won't be going to public school. It'll My thing going. is like I don't really care like what you identify as, but like you don't got to groom the children. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like stop pushing You're your views on everybody thing. else. Like yeah. and like. I, I, I don't, I tell Especially people, kids. I have no issue with what you want to be, but like, why do you have to push it? You're the one causing the problems. And if I push like, back at all and I have a different opinion, I'm a bad guy. Yeah. Right. I could be potentially canceled yeah. from talking about this on YouTube. Right. Right. But you know, you're, you're an adult, 25, 35, 45 years old. Hey, go, you know, go do whatever you want to do. But you know, nowadays, cause this, this, this gender transformation started happening really a good amount of years now. And a lot of those people are coming out and being like, I was kind of manipulated as a young kid and like, I, I want blood. Like, yeah. I'm fucking suing. They're coming out and speaking against it. You know, obviously they were born with a cock and now right. they have a different part or no longer have that. It's, you know, just think about how much that messes with somebody's head. They went through that as a child. It's just, it's just nothing that needs, even, even politics in general, it doesn't need to be pushed on a kid inside of a public forum. Right. And, uh, you know, back to Tim Kennedy, they're they're making sure that their schools don't have that shit, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest thing that blows up for him. Yeah, he's a uh, the powerhouse. He's, he's got a lot going on. Super knowledgeable, super connected. And, I think I know. think in the not too distant future, we could we can have him on Fireside. Right. He's friendly with Keaton. Uh, I had him ask about the podcast, and yeah, you know, I I actually was listening to a podcast on the way over here of a guy. Um, that was on Tommy Mello's podcast. I was actually talking about how he got Tim Kennedy on his podcast. And he said, like, he's like, I just started doing some research and trying to see. And he's like, I was on his website and, like, scrolling down. I scrolled all the way down and it said, like, oh, contact this person, this person, this person. But at the very bottom in really, really small letters, he's like, I said, and if there is an American emergency, contact. And it was his email. Yeah. And he's like, so I emailed him and I said, and he's like, and he's like, um, there's a emergency in the plumbing industry or something like that, and uh, and then in the in the, in the subject and in the body he put like um, something we're getting bored to death of it or something like that, and Tim Kennedy actually read the email and apparently like he was reading his wife was getting out of the shower got out walked out of the bathroom and he, like he was reading it and he laughed and she's like what's so funny, and he's like showed her and she's like oh you got to do that podcast. And so he got Tim Kennedy on his podcast and he's like, crazy thing is, he's like, I get like 200 requests a day for different podcasts and like he ended up jumping on his podcast for it. I do know if he's not friends with you or something unique like that happens, he charges 50,000. Yeah. Uh, And he did it for free. Yeah. That podcast. Yeah. And that speaks to to who he is. But if my friend lands this school and I'm a vocal point of being a part of that, He'll, he'll, he'll definitely get on fireside sure. and, and we'll be talking about his school. But yeah. dude, this has been awesome. This is fun. Um, I like to ask two questions at the end of all podcasts. First one is if you're a young entrepreneur, girl or guy starting out right now, what's the one thing you would tell them? Um, just start. Yeah, take action. Just start. Um, too many people failure to, you know, to implement. So just take the nuggets that you get and just run with it and just start. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and one- the second thing is someone... Let's talk about the, the virtual universe. That's really how we kind of met. Um, what's someone you want to give some love to? A friend of yours, big, small name, business? Um, I think I want to give a shout-out to, you know, Eric, my trainer. Yeah. Because he's my personal trainer, but he's become a really good friend of mine. And uh, he's helped push me 
to be better. And what's Eric's Instagram? Do you know off the top uh, of your head? Outlaw Strength. Outlaw Strength. Yep. Make sure you guys check out Outlaw Strength. Dude, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You're out here for some other business. Yeah. You found some time. You brought your friends. Right. Partners. Uh, this is great, dude. No, Again, I appreciate you having me on. I'm glad we can make it happen. And uh, yeah, it was, it's an awesome time. We're going to be pushing GCS through your Long Island store. Yeah. I appreciate it. you. Thank you. Yep. Cheers. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to learn more about it, check out the links below.